The Holy Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas said to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe me. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. You can be seated. The first verse from today's Gospel reading tells us a lot in just a few words. It says, It was evening... On that day, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans. The evening of that day was Easter, the very day that they went to the tomb looking for the body of Jesus but could not find it. And then miraculously, Mary Magdalene meets Jesus outside the tomb. It's that same day, later in the evening, that the disciples are gathered. But you can imagine that it wasn't a happy gathering. It wasn't a celebration. The text says that they had locked themselves in a room. No one was getting in and no one was getting out. And that reaction to hide was based on fear. They were afraid. They were terrified. They weren't sure who they could trust, even amongst themselves. Their fear was also based on the Judeans, also known as the temple authorities. After what had happened on Good Friday between Pilate and the temple authorities, it was clear Jerusalem was a town under the control and influence of the Roman Empire. There was not going to be an uprising or any kind of revolt by the people. It was clear who was in charge of Jerusalem. 
So the disciples' response was to hide. They're hiding because they're afraid of what happened on Friday because they don't want to face the same ending that Jesus did. They're also hiding because they don't know what will happen to them next. But what does happen is so strange that none of them could have predicted it. Into that locked hideout, Jesus appears. And he comes speaking words of peace, showing them his wounds, and breathing on them. He says it to them three times over the course of this passage. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Their fear was so exaggerated that they needed to hear repeatedly the word peace. Then Jesus breathes on them. Now, depending on your level of germophobia, that may sound disgusting. But keep in mind, this is the gospel of John's version of the Pentecost story. In another version of the story, the two-part gospel of Luke and Acts, the disciples are also gathered in a room, except it's 50 days later after the resurrection. And in that room, they received a wind and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The gospel of John, today's passage, is describing that exact same story, but in a different timeline. Here it happens on the first evening of Easter. Listen to what Jesus said to the disciples after he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus' breath fills them up like a wind. The disciples receive the Holy Spirit and are reminded that this business of following Jesus is about forgiveness. Not just the forgiveness that God gives you, but the forgiveness you give each other. In fact, the only kind of forgiveness Jesus mentions in this episode is the lateral forgiveness offered between fellow humans. If someone sins against you and you forgive them, they're forgiven by God and by you. But if you retain the sins, if you hold on to the way that others hurt you and let it turn into bitterness and hatred, then the forgiveness is stuck. It won't flow freely to you or to the one who sinned. That's a summary of everything Jesus taught. But the heart of the story the real kicker is what Jesus shows Thomas. Thomas missed the first appearance of Jesus, and he becomes somewhat doubtful. You can't really blame him, can you? But I don't think Thomas was merely doubting what the other disciples were telling him. I think there's something deeper and specific about Thomas's doubt. 
It wasn't the resurrection that Thomas struggled with. Jews believed in the resurrection. They believed that at the end of days, God would raise the dead to eternal life. So if Thomas believed that Jesus was the Messiah, then believing that Jesus was raised from the dead is not unimaginable. Thomas had doubts about something else. It was something that the other disciples told him about their encounter with Jesus. He showed us his hands and sighed. This episode with Thomas is not really a story about believing in the fact of the resurrection. I think Thomas could actually believe that Jesus was resurrected. I think what Thomas doubted was the wounds. How could Jesus still be wounded and also resurrected at the same time? Thomas naturally thought if Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, and God raised him from the dead, then surely, surely he would be made new. Surely he would be restored and exalted and glorified in a way worthy of who he was. Surely this would be the sign. Jesus would now be some invincible, undefeatable power that would lead them to victory that they all wanted to see when they rolled into Jerusalem. But that is not how God works. God's power does not come in the ways that we think power should be displayed. Jesus came back from the dead, but those wounds remained. Jesus is raised from the dead, but God didn't heal the nail holes. God didn't heal the spear-torn side of his flesh. Why? Because those wounds are where true strength was displayed. The power of God to undo the cycles of hatred and fear and violence in our world were contained in those wounds. The thing that Thomas struggled to believe was a God that could be both crucified and risen. The resurrected Jesus retained the marks of weakness because God's weakness is stronger than human strength. And so it is with you. Your weaknesses are the things that make you strong. Brene Brown says, in our culture, we associate vulnerability with emotions we want to avoid, such as fear, shame, and uncertainty. Yet we too often lose sight of the fact that vulnerability is also the birthplace of joy, belonging, creativity, authenticity, and love. I think Jesus was trying to show the disciples that God's vulnerability is stronger than human strength. And it is through your weaknesses and vulnerability that true strength and growth occur.
May God help us to believe that. Amen.